0: Hey everyone, welcome to the 1% Difference Show with me, your host, Jason S. Bradshaw. The 1% Difference Show is here for you to help you stand out and succeed. All it takes is a 1% focus, extra focus on customer experience, employee experience, brand and product experience, your business or your life. 1% is all the difference it takes. Joining us today is Jamie Jamie J. Jamie is the founder and managing director of Bottleneck Digital Assistance, founded in 2016. Bottleneck is an outsourcing agency that helps businesses identify, hire, and cultivate their workforce through a carefully designed, systematic approach to growth. Now, who doesn't want growth? But that's not all of Jamie's story. Jamie is a veteran U.S. Army paratrooper who received the Army Achievement Medal for Meritus Service. Jay's additional business experience includes 12-year career in corporate America and advanced education in business administration and management at Florida Institute of Technology. And somewhere in all of that, he's found the time to write a new book, Quit Repeating Yourself. In this book, Jay shares how he built a seven-figure business by following and focusing on the power of creating systems and processes so he could stop doing the wrong things and focus on doing his best work. Well, what an intro, Jay. Welcome to the show and congratulations on the book. Oh, Jason, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super pumped to be here. This is exciting and thank you.
1: yeah it was uh, it was almost a year in the making to get that book out and oh man, it, what a relief it is to get it out there and to actually have a physical copy of the book is just amazing now.
0: Now quit yourself re- uh, quit repeating yourself how today's leaders are using systems and processes to grow their business the right way. I have to ask, why this book and why now? Well, that's actually a good question. I initially approached the publisher. I was actually
1: going to do a, a, like an autobiography. And and I thought, you know, I have so many crazy stories and, and friends of mine have always said, Jamie, you got to put that in the book. Um, and as I started getting into the process a little bit deeper, I didn't feel like I had experienced enough life in order to do that. So, what I did feel I had experienced enough of for the past 15 years were the six different. Um, it's it's actually in three parts, but there's six different elements to the book. And quit repeating yourself. And and I thought, you know what? People are asking me the same questions a lot. I'm I'm oftentimes repeating myself. Um, uh, actually no pun intended quit repeating yourself here it wasn't that's not the intention for the title but you know what i started thinking okay um i love culture i love leadership i'm heavily involved in systems and processes for me i'm a geek that way i just absolutely love that stuff and then i've been recruiting and hiring now for 15 years and i haven't seen a book out there that encompasses all six of those um, at a very topical way, by the way, so I I understand my audience: entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small business leaders, team leaders. They're busy. They don't have the time to read a huge business book. So I thought maybe I could touch on the topical areas of each one of these different uh, aspects of this business in this book to provide a kind of an overview and maybe maybe generate some questions or oh man, maybe we can create some ideas and they can implement against those ideas. Uh, so that was the reason that I decided to go this route. And it's just kind of what I do every day and what I really know and I'm passionate about.
0: Uh, fantastic. And you, know, you touched on you know, the, the power of of how your business helps organizations with systems and processes and, and, and how important they are to success. Yet... Uh, you know, there's potentially the host of this show um, that, uh, you know, I, I give uh, systems and processes their, their due time and attention, but it's much better when I have a team member that is focused on those systems and processes. I, you know, my, my, my uh, uh, type of uh, behavior is uh, big, big sky thinking all the time. And uh, uh, that doesn't get you anywhere, though, unless you have systems and processes, right? Because a great idea that's not implemented. Uh, That it's not started is is just a dream. Uh, There's a chapter in the book, and I I love the title: Systems, Processes, Workflows. Oh my, that's exactly (laughs) me. I you know says when someone says they're launching a new process, I'm like, oh my, what's what have we got ourselves into? But of course, you're not taking it from this negative uh, negative view that it has to be something that people hate. Do you want to tell us about why systems, processes, and workflows? are so integral to a business
1: sure well and you know what thank you to you for being the visionary that you are our world needs that um the businesses need that visionary and that visionary needs that's their our provocative point of view by the way is that we assist business leaders who are doing the wrong things to stop doing the wrong things so that they can focus on doing their best work and oftentimes that is a visionary, that is a leader, that is a person in charge of a team, an organization, a small business, a solopreneur, an entrepreneur. And there's definite place for vision, a visionary, because without visionary or without vision, you can't create the systems, processes, and workflows to make this whole wheel spin around. So the reason systems, processes, and workflows are so important, and yes, I've heard it described to me as nails on a chalkboard. People can't stand doing that. I've also heard of people saying you always need to work on your business, not in your business, and because you get bogged down with the details. Do I agree with that? Yes, but not until later. I think every visionary, every person that's starting a business or leading a team or an organization needs to be in the trenches in the beginning and this is why this is exactly why they're responsible for systems processes and workflows and what you'll find is after I uh, go through this eventually you will graduate from being in the trenches of the day-to-day that's at the point where you can work on your business not necessarily work in your business but I will always say you will never really truly leave in your business, if you're passionate about it, mm. right? So systems, processes, and workflow, and those are like three different things. The systems, or the system singular, is how does your business work? How does you? How do you get from A to Z, right? What does that entail? It's a very topical thirty thousand foot view. The processes, which is plural, are within a system for how certain things are completed and what goal or objectives are aligned with each one of those processes. And then if you go down again, you niche down to the workflows, again, plural, the workflows are the step-by-step, how is this done? In our case, every single time you click the mouse button associated with an image is a workflow so that you avoid confusion. And if I can go back really quick to to what I said before, and there are several people, visionaries, I get you, I'm I'm right there with you, that don't like spending their time on these mundane details. However, if you've ever hired anybody or if you've grown a company or you're beginning to grow and then you found out that, oh my gosh, this person is not a good fit and you've let them go and you hire somebody else or it could be a vendor that you've had a relationship and then that you terminated that relationship because it just wasn't clicking that's a direct result for our lack of systems in most cases i can't say 100 percent of the time but i'd i'd probably say 95 to 98 percent of the time that's most likely what the challenge is so when i first began i created my own step-by-step workflow for how to build a website and it was basically setting it up and i broke it down into four phases i called it the four d's i so you have discovery design development and deployment and i made it really simple and i broke each one of those phases down through a set of workflows step by step on how i built a website and so therefore i was able to go out and hire a web developer many people will go out and hire a web developer but maybe they don't do a good job or you're wondering why they aren't doing a good job it's because everything that you want is up in your head still it hasn't been uh delegated or documented I should say, there's a, a good friend of mine, Scott BB, who said, do something as if it was the last time you're ever going to do it. As a matter of fact, that's the epigraph in my book. Um, and I absolutely love that because basically what that means is if I write down every single step that I do, I only have to do that literally one more time. I have to take a little more time. Yes, it could be painful, but three things occur when I do that. Number one, I'm getting what's in my head out. And documented. Number two, somebody else can come over and know exactly what's expected of them. And number three, now I've created a process for others to create their own workflow so that I don't have to spend time doing that. So you're basically creating the infrastructure for your system by creating workflows that fit into the processes that help run the entire system of your business.
0: Mm, I, I think that's uh, exa- excellent uh... A reminder to us all, uh, and I think it brings us back to the title of the book. Quit repeating yourself. You you could call it quit uh, starting from the beginning every time because even if you're a solopreneur or maybe you've got a small team and you can't afford to to employ more people, it, if every time you do a task, it's like it's the first time you've done it, that that's extremely inefficient, right? Mm.
1: Extremely. And I always say one of the, so quit repeating yourself. You just nailed it. That's basically what it is. And what triggered this was I went to work in corporate America and it was for a very, very large company. And I went in and I asked my friend who was in the next office over, I said, Hey, how do I do this? And he, he sat there, Oh, you just go here and here and do that. And then I did some other work and a week or so later I came back and said, Hey, I forgot how I did that. How did you do that again? And he explained it again. I should have documented that, um, but I didn't. So it was a waste of my time and a waste of, of their time. And it's just one of those small things where you should quit repeating yourself. And what I mean by that is just document what it is that you're doing. Here's the cool thing. If you're not ready to hire yet, if you're not you know not quite there or you're just you really don't want to, it's not a bad idea to document your systems and start your workflow library anyways. Because one of the biggest things people look for if you're going to exit and want to sell your business is that you have a system or a process there and that you and a lot of people, visionaries included, Jason, have a hard time thinking that I am replaceable. It's exactly the opposite. You should want to make yourself replaceable so that if that day and time does come and you happen to get somebody that's interested in acquiring your business – you can just say, here you go. And you're not spending another six months to a year there telling them everything that you're doing because it's the business is not reliant upon you. They're reliant upon your proprietary information, the systems, processes, and workflows that you yourself have created so that someone else can come in and easily take over.
0: That, that's a, an excellent reminder for us all. But I think there's maybe even a simpler reason to start creating your your library of workflows, processes as part of your system. How, how else are you going to know the areas to improve if, if everything is done from memory?
1: So there's, yeah, there's probably three, three main areas. That's one of them. The other is for your eventual evaluation, um, to to exit the business. The second is, from day one, most people are not ready to hire the first day they open the doors to their business. They're not. Who knows what the future will bring? What happens if you just get slammed six months or a year down the road or three or four years down the road? There's plenty of one person, one million dollar businesses there that, you know, maybe contract out work to vendors and things like that. They still need those systems and processes, though. And if you're doing it from day one, you can always prepare yourself to hire somebody eventually and just like you said getting those things out of your head and documented you have a baseline now you have a threshold and what you'll usually find too when you do delegate tasks to somebody you'll usually find the 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 friction points or you know the the holes that you didn't quite see in the beginning and actually when others start going through those processes they may come up with other ideas and why? Because that's what they're focusing on. You're focusing on this 30,000 foot view stuff. You're doing the podcasting and the, the speaking and you know, coming up with ideas for different divisions or whatever it may be. But allowing them to focus on that workflow and then enhance it or improve upon it, ah, oh, life-changing.
0: So let's shift gears just for a moment away from the book. Although I, I see uh, some alignment. You- you know, you're the co-founder and managing director of Bottleneck Distant Assistance and I think, you know, very intentional naming there in your business, you're not, a, you're not just yet another virtual assistance provider, right? It's the you're Bottleneck Distant Assistance. What does what does the company do and, and how do you help individuals, uh, solopreneurs, small business owners, team members uh, through, through your business?
1: Uh, thank you for the question. Um, one of the biggest things we tried to do in the beginning, and that's why I love this 1% difference, right? It's, we have to find a way to differentiate ourselves just like every other organization should. And so there's, uh, if you Google right now, virtual assistants, you may get results that served up to you for artificial intelligence or machine learning or maybe Fiverr, you know, maybe actual human beings, but it's more of a transactional-based relationship wherein you give somebody a task, they come back with a, a, a result, um, perhaps through multiple iterations, and then you exchange money for that service. That's what I mean from a transactional-based relationship. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. Uh, it just depends on what it is that you're looking for. A distant assistant is more of an intimate-based relationship, and this is the big change. We're really proud to say we're the world's first dedicated distant assistant company. We actually coined that term to create our own new category because what we found was a lot of people were were seeing turnover. They weren't keeping people around long enough. They were wasting time going on these different sites trying to find somebody that they could delegate a task to only to be um, you know upset or you know disappointed in the work that came back to them. Why don't they understand? A lot of that has to do because there's a little bit of a learning curve that needs to occur. So we take all of our virtual assistants, put them through the distant assistant certification training so that they learn how to know Who our clients are with regards to what their vision is, their mission, their core values, their provocative points of view, how they make decisions, what's their tone, what's their voice. And that's why we stay with you for the first 90 days. It's called a 90-day onboarding process. And during that time, our assistants intimately learn the ins and outs, the nuances of how you, uh, Jason, how you want to r- run your organization. You have competitors, I'm sure, that may do similar things to you, but you also have stuff that's differentiating you. And that that's that little thing there that people need to latch on to so that you can say why you are different, not better, why you are different. And that's why our distant assistants go through such an in-depth training so that Eventually, maybe you send out an email or maybe your DA sends out an email. Guess what? The person that's receiving that email would have no idea whether that's you or your assistant other than the fact that, you know, their signature is in there and it's their name and stuff because they learned who you are as a person so that they are acting as an extension of your tone, your voice and maintaining the integrity of your brand. So that's the big difference between a distant assistant and a virtual assistant. And there's a place and a time for all of it, but what you'll find in building a relationship on an intimate level, you're going to find that it, that relationship is, it stays longer. We have less than a 5% churn rate at bottleneck distance assistance. And the longest person that's been with me has been with me for eight years. That's unheard of in this arena, in this industry. There's uh, Industry standard is 35% turnover. It's technically 38% now, actually, with the latest uh, numbers that came out. It's actually increased a little bit. Having less than 5% lets us know that we're doing something right to build that relationship, but we also set the, uh, we, it's really important to set those expectations because when you start hiring somebody, they're going to be way down here <laughs> and you're way up here because you know the business, you know it. They, they may be an expert in whatever you hired them for, but that doesn't matter because they have to live up to your level of expectations. So we need to define those. And that's why it takes about 90 days on average. After doing this 15 years and hiring over a thousand people, I've learned a lot about that. And so finding that threshold of about 90 days is usually where you start seeing them come up to your level and you start gaining the confidence to say, wow, You know, now we can start delegating a little bit more uh, responsibility because they're doing a really good job. They're starting to finish my sentences and they're the projects. I'm not having to ask for, you know, updates as much and things like that or revisions because it does take a little bit of time. Oh, I lost your audio.
0: Oh, there we go. Nothing like a podcast where you lose the audio. So (laughs) uh, I I was saying, not that you could hear, uh, that I love this concept of the 90 days. And in the bonus section, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the 90 days. But what I guess you're trying to do uh, through this distant relationship is build the or, or cross the bridge that you would normally cross when, say, your executive assistant sits outside your office or in the same space as you because it, it's much easier to pick up on nuances, language, culture, all, all those sorts of things when you're physically co-located. Uh, and this is a challenge that a lot of people have faced uh, just because of the pandemic recently. But ultimately, it's about fusing culture personality together and in your in your book culture eats strategy is chapter one so clearly you you think culture is important why why does culture eat strategy um well number one
1: i'm a huge fan of peter drucker uh who coined the who coined the phrase uh culture eats strategy for breakfast um but after studying that and researching it for for many many years um if you don't have a place where people can come into an environment and feel that they have a voice and feel comfortable, strategy, there is no such thing as strategy because it's thrown out the window. Strategy is incredibly important, as you know. It's incredibly important. That's how you execute right that's how you achieve the goals or the objectives of whatever your daily your daily objectives for your mission ultimately to aspire to whatever your vision ultimately represents but the culture is that fit it's the sharing a similar belief system does that mean that everybody just says yes 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 no not at all but it gives them the confidence to say no or to challenge the status quo or maybe you know i've overlooked something or a decision or a thought that i have may not be the best one and i don't want anybody in our organization for that matter uh to to be afraid to say hey jamie what about this like aren't you forgetting this or what i absolutely love that that's why culture is first and a positive culture not a toxic culture because there is that as well right um but the toxic culture is exactly what i just described it's kind of a a top down you know very demonstrative do this or you're fired which i experienced quite a bit in corporate america even in the army the general would come around to our barracks and before the general came around to our barracks to do the inspections we would have our our company commander or our first sergeant i was in the army would say do not ask the general any questions if he asks you a question everything is tip top and i get it i understand why they tell you to do that but at the same time there's kind of a you know a feeling of like but wait you know the the ba- the faucets in the bathroom aren't working. Can't I say something they haven't been working? It's only cold water. Like, can we, do, you know, like little things like that creep into your mind. And the same thing happened in corporate America before the bigwigs came around and visited us, they handed each of us. We were sales reps at the time, each of us, the vision and the mission on a piece of paper. And they said, memorize that. If they ask you, you're going to need to answer. And I thought, wow, we should be living this every single day. So we have weekly meetings. A different person in our team leads the meeting every week. And we also go through our vision, our mission, and our provocative point of view before every single meeting to keep that top of mind because that's how we make our decisions here. And by the way, all of our team members are empowered to make decisions. If they make the wrong decisions, let's figure out what went wrong and how we can fix it so we don't make it again. But it's not going to bankrupt the company. So they make the decisions by saying, number one, is it good for the company? Number two, is it good for the team? And number three, is it good for our client? Because if the company's not doing good financially or culturally, how in the world can we take care of our team members? And if our team members feel like they're not being taken care of and their voices aren't being heard, how in the world can I expect them to take care of our clients? So everybody has the power to make those decisions. Therefore, I believe culture eats strategy every single day.
0: Uh, that, that's brilliant. And I... I love how you reinforced for us that if your employees, if your team members don't feel that they're being taken care of, if they're not valued, that their ability to do a great job for your customers it is limited, right?
1: I, yeah, I, I, I believe it, there's still twenty percent of the companies out there that have terrible cultures and they're very they do very well financially. A lot of these are big corporate companies. They do extremely well financially, but wow, people, it's that's where people are like, Oh, I don't want to go into this meeting, or I don't really want to go into work today, but I'm gonna do it. I oh my gosh, 10 more years till I retire, five more years till I retire, you know. And we like getting into this. We just recently had uh, a consultant come into one of our meetings um beforehand. Um they asked if we could fill out this this survey, which of 34 of my team members filled out the the survey. And she was amazed. She came in and she said, Jamie, 82% of your team looks forward to going to a meeting. And I said, oh, that's like a below B, like 80, only 82%. She goes, no, you don't understand. The majority of companies finish around 15 to 20% of that. They absolutely hate going into meetings. And so when I thought about that, I was like, oh, wow. So we don't have that much to tweak. Um, you know, to improve that. And that's a really big sign that something's going well with regards to your your company
0: culture. Mm. I I think probably the pandemic uh, really exposed those companies that had a uh, perhaps a toxic culture or certainly not a positive culture because their ability to pivot and to respond to you know the, the new the new world uh, was limited and and ultimately has come out in their financials. You know I think uh, I was reading the other day someone said you know managers have had to trust that their employees are doing work from home. Well, you know uh, what about the employee in the office? You had to trust that they were doing the work as well because you know, most likely you were meant to be doing work and not just looking at them, making sure they were doing work. And you've you've found a system that make that work with people all across the world. So um, a fantastic example of the sorts of insights that you're baking into the book. So, Jamie, how do people follow your work uh, re- uh, and and get a copy of the book?
1: I- Thank you. You can go to the website, quitrepeatingyourself.com uh, and you can learn all about it there. Um, and what we do is we ask for your name and email there um, only because if, if I send a direct, you can go to directly to Amazon or anywhere books are sold, but then I don't know who gets it. And it's really hard for me to understand um, who's, who's taking in that content. So what we decided to do was do a QRY wide challenge, a quit repeating yourself challenge. So anybody that goes that route, Again, you can go anywhere and and buy the book if you don't want to do this. But if you review the book and send me a copy that you've reviewed the book, um, I will send you a link to my calendar and schedule 30 minutes with you for free to answer any questions you have on culture, leadership, systems, processes, recruiting, and or hiring. Um, Ask away. Happy to do it. Uh, and, and no strings attached at all. It's just a great way for me to, to reach out and maybe answer some additional questions. As you remember before, this book is 184 pages. It's a fairly quick read. You can read it in approximately two hours, maybe three hours. And, you know, it's very topical, it's meant to generate ideas, and maybe give you some insight on some of the things that you can try. And if you want to deep dive into those, that's, that's what we do there. And then you can also visit us at bottleneck.online to learn more about the bottleneck distant assistant program.
0: So of course all the links to Jamie's business uh, the book the challenge will be in the show notes and at 1percentdifference.com. But uh, before we jump into the bonus section uh, which Jamie's agreed to stick around for I'm wondering Jamie do you have just one piece of advice for our audience today you know that perhaps haven't had a chance to read your book and they what what would you say they need to start doing today or perhaps stop doing? I well, uh, that's a, <laughs> I,
1: this is a really good question. I would try to prioritize the top three biggest things that do not give you energy, number one, and that you can delegate either in the near future or down the road. And th- this can be done by what we call as a delegation roadmap. And basically we list down all the tasks and we assign two values do they give you energy or don't they give you energy and is it something you must do or can you delegate it Well, take the top three things that because there's going to be a bunch of them but get the rest off of there don't worry about those right now the top three things and then tackle those in order of priority a b c or one two three the first one may be uh spending too much time on email well what are you doing? What are you spending your time on? How do you go through that email? How can you work, document that so that you can delegate that? There's so many different tools out there for that. Maybe another one is calendar management, or maybe another one is um, figuring out a funnel. You really want to do this funnel and you have all this content. But you don't know how to put it all together. I don't know. It could be whatever it is, but sit down and start with priority A and just focus on that until you feel comfortable that you have document in such a way that ultimately you can either delegate or maybe you hire a vendor, you know, to come in and take care of it. Um, So I think once you do that, you start getting a flow down for how you can start documenting all of the different processes within a business. And pretty soon you've got your system down.
0: Yeah. And I love that. You don't have to fix everything on day one, right? You just need to get started. Jamie, thanks so much for being with us for the main part of the 1% Different show and for agreeing to stick around. Remember, if you're a member of the 1% Different show, you get free access to additional content with all guests on the show to help you move forward. Thank you for listening. And I'm Jason S. Bradshaw, reminding you to transform the experience to transform your business.